0: I would like to welcome everybody uh, to our session on tips and tricks and lessons learned on buying uh, new or used uh, boats. So I'm gonna first do is do a screen share here. Let me do that real quickly. Get this going and make sure it's working. And get a full screen. Just give me a moment and bear with me. I should've had this going sooner. Can everybody see my screen? Yes. Yes. Okay, very good. All right, fantastic. Well, let's get started. We'll do some introductions first. Um, And let me just put my chat window up so I can see what's going on over here and get going. Okay, so let's first do just uh, introductions of the Ontario's owners that are on the call let's we'll kind of go around robin your name may or may not be on this list that i put up your panel members and that's okay if your name's not on the list and you're an ontario zoner you could at least introduce yourself uh where you're located and or where your boat is located and i'll kind of go across my screen that i see right now david can we start with you up in annapolis you and Lori. great
1: so, dave eber um since this is all about the purchasing ways and techniques I wanted to do LLCs. I wanted to do all the great technology techniques out there, but I was too desperate to get into a boat. Um, I didn't have that much cash. Fortunately, I met somebody next to me that was able to help me with that. Um, But I'm very interested to see how everybody goes about buying them and the techniques and tricks to it. So, uh, okay, I'm loving this thing. This is the coolest free people buy something that costs a lot of money. And have buyer's remorse. I have never had one inkling of buyer's remorse from buying an Antares. It's just so easy to serve and support. Everybody looks at it and say, "Man, I wish I could have gotten one of those, but I couldn't afford it." And it's all about the price tag, but it's worth
0: it. Yeah. Thanks, David. That's I, I tend to agree with you. Of course, I'm an owner as well. Um, Alan and Elizabeth, introductions.
2: Well, we we are owner. We are second owners of a PDQ Antares. Um, And we've had both experiences because like I say, we bought this Antares used, but we bought our first boat new. So we've done, we've had experience with both. And I think one of the things that people think about is that a new boat's not gonna have any issues, but (laughs) we didn't find that to be true. I think there's issues with every boat. And I think the main thing you need to know, even if it's a brand new boat and there are no issues, your maintenance schedule starts from day one. So it's not like you're not going to work on a boat.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, Gord. Gord Mood.
3: Yes. Um, I'm uh, just north of Toronto, Canada. We, we owned uh, um, hull number 4438 for five and a half years. And we've since sold. But um, hopefully I can Shed some light on our experience, but uh, we miss it every day, I have to say.
0: Well, thank you, Gord. We're glad to, to still have you part of the Interiors family and joining these calls. Uh, Glenn.
4: Yeah, hi. Uh, Glenn McGonigal, my wife Pam, and I are the original owners of Hull 56. We took delivery of Mira in 2017 down in Argentina, and uh, we've We've been uh, fairly uh, consistently living aboard since then. Um, I'm home in uh, Georgia for a month right now. The boat's in Grenada and uh, wow, I miss her. <laughs> so uh, being a landlubber for a while, I'm still thinking of boat projects. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to contribute to uh, thoughts on uh, buying a used boat or buying a new boat.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Glenn, appreciate it. Chad, I see you're on. Chad Reader. do you want to just chime in and kind of do a quick introduction? You're on mute still, it looks like, Chad, if you can hear me. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Perfect.
4: OK. Yeah, I bought the boat last year, Hall 64. Uh, two years ago, sat in Grenada because of COVID. Just brought it back to Tampa and dodged the first hurricane. So I, <laughs> uh, if if you've been watching the the weather lately, um, yeah. But a lot of thoughts on on buying new boats, and everyone has said exactly the accurate. You have to do boat projects from day one. I'll just agree with that and go pass pass it on to the next guy.
0: Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it, Russ. I see you're on in Australia. How are you doing, Russ?
5: Okay, got the mute button. I'm doing yeah. well, thanks. Um, Landlocked. Uh, My boat, Solan, bought it in 2010 secondhand. It was uh, uh, fairly new, only three years old, in very good condition. Uh, Hadn't really had that much use. Um, And, yeah, the boat is on the hard uh, in a boatyard near Greece. And uh, Australia is still in lockdown. We're actually in lockdown this week. (laughs) So... (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah, we, we don't seem to have much vaccines going around, but we're all in lockdown. It's crazy anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I missed the beginning introduction. I'm sorry, Mark, so I don't know what the question is. What's what's the question?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. No, Russ, we're just doing introductions of the interior's owners, of those that are on the call that own interiors or have owned in interiors in the past. So those that have joined the call that may not be owners yet at least get to meet you and as we go around and start talking okay. about the different topics, well, everybody can chime
5: in. But yeah, okay. One last thing, probably to mention, is that different to a lot of people, I'm not permanently living aboard. Um, I still have a business uh, I run in Australia, so I tend to go six months on, six months off. Um, that's why I happened to get caught on the wrong cycle when I was off, and I haven't been able to get back to the boat for over eighteen months. So that's uh really pissing me off.
0: <laughs> Understood. That and the lockdowns. I'm in lockdowns as well here in, in Malaysia. So it's been been uh, challenging to say the least. Um, all right, is there anybody else that's on the call that is in Ontario's owner that would like to just introduce yourself and kind of where you're from and where your boat is located? If, Hi if everybody. Not, we'll... Oh, hey Tara, <laughs> how are you?
6: How's it going? i'm good. good thanks um mark i was curious what whole number we we have reserved
0: um you, and know, you probably don't look. know
6: it the, offhand
0: <laughs> no i 69 71 70, i think 72 or 73 i think is is, is your number now but it's it, okay. i'll have to double check yeah yeah
6: well we're, we're the mcleans we're currently in catalina actually we just did 11 and a half hour sail over and well mostly motoring not, not a lot of wind and uh um, we're, we're excited to get our new boat someday in 2023.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining. We appreciate it. Anybody else on? Actually, we do. I, I know I saw Stephen Hale. Stephen, can you do a quick introduction?
7: Hi, everybody. Stephen and Sarah Hale. We live in St. Louis, but I'm a native New Englander. We, I How do we sum it up, Mark? We have a boat on order, the first or second hybrid because we were yeah. so annoying you to pull a diesel and drop in a, uh, an electric propulsion and get rid of the generator that you guys went several steps beyond that to do the parallel. So uh, that was subject of a previous uh, round table, which was fantastic. We're, I don't think we talk about anything except this every day. Our friends are gonna be happy to see us leave St. Louis after my 30 years here, because all we do is talk about the boat but they'll come find us and visit. So uh, hall number, don't know yet, doesn't really matter. Magic number is what it'll be. I have met a handful of you at, in St. Pete and look forward to seeing a bunch more in Annapolis. So uh, yeah, we're, we're living and breathing this and we miss talking to you, Mark. So we're gonna start to annoy yeah. you more often.
0: <laughs> no, thanks, Stephen. Appreciate you joining. Uh, good, good to see you um, and your beautiful wife as well. All right. So, uh, anybody else that is, in the Terry's owner, want to do a quick introduction? We've got quite a few on online, hey, which is great. Mark. Yes. Can you guys hear us? I can. Oh, hey guys, how are you? You're sailing. Probably one of
7: the few on this call who are actually sailing while uh, while participating. So that's uh, San Diego Bay right behind us, where water. To, uh, to Catalina, uh, and uh, well, it's uh, it's a beautiful evening. And we thought we'd represent Ontari's owners who are their new uh, owners, live awards. Our hall number is 4434. We are the third owner. And as you can see,
0: enjoying ourselves.
6: Since December of last year. Yeah, since so December
0: of last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so we- still new. Yeah that's fantastic well it's, it's great to actually see somebody on the water and sailing this is this is a first <laughs> thank you guys um, is there anybody else anybody else that's an interior's owner that would like to jump in and just do a quick introduction
7: hey Mark it's
0: Brent I don't know if you hey. can hear me I can Brent welcome in San Diego I, are I, you? I don't know if I,
7: I I feel like a I feel like a poser saying I'm an owner I am trying, uh, forgive how I say it, but I'm trying like hell, as you know, to become one But and, and, yes. get, and join you over there in Penang with uh, a great uh, amount of gratefulness to your help in the process. But anyway, so yes, I'm, I'm here. Um, hey, uh, Mark, over on uh, in San Diego,
0: too. And uh, actually, I'm in Texas right now. So okay. um,
7: I'll leave it at that. So thanks.
0: Yeah, thanks, Brett. Thanks for chiming in. Um, anybody else? If not, we'll go ahead and uh, start going through the topics. Uh, anybody else? Any other Terry's owners? Okay, well, uh, thanks again for joining. For those that are not in Terry's owners yet, uh, we have a, a number of different topics to cover. Um, let me just go through the quick format of this call. It'll be a little bit different than we've done in the past. And the reason for that is I think that we will have opportunity for a lot more conversation, a lot more discussion on these different topics. And so I think that we'll take a pause and try to get some more questions from the other attendees uh, that might be new owners, might be people looking to potentially buy a new or used boat. Um, We also have Beth Simpkins on the line so she can also help answer questions if I don't know the answer. She has a lot of experience in this department as well. So we'll be able to at least hopefully get answers uh, to anybody that that has any questions as we kind of go through this. So let me just go through and just set the stage first, because one of the questions I get asked a lot, and Beth probably gets asked a lot, is, um, do we should we buy a new or a used boat? And the answer to that really depends um, on your situation. So what I wanted to do was at least provide um, a couple bullet points on new versus used boat purchases, the pros and cons. And uh, just before I do that, um, I myself have purchased our boat new. Uh, We bought our boat new in Argentina. We did it for a lot of the same reasons I put on here on this slide. Uh, Now our boat is a used boat. Our boat's 10 years old. So I now have the experience of owning a very used boat as well. So um, it was fun for me to kind of go through and create this list on the pros and cons of new and used. Um, If I just go through the pros of buying a new boat, when people ask me, why should I buy a new boat? um, One of the reasons why is you get exactly what you want. Um, You may not be able to, as an example, buy a hybrid because a hybrid in Terries doesn't exist unless you want to go through and retrofit one yourself. Um, You do have initially less maintenance cost. Um, And let me explain to you why that's the case. Because when you buy a new boat, you get the standard one year plus OEM warranties. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to fix stuff. But it does mean that you are covered by warranties, whether they're by the OEM manufacturers, for example, your Volvo engines. In my case, I had two significant issues when I bought my new boat. Um, it was a watermaker issue. Um, the watermaker was continually causing problems, as was my generator. Both of those were finally fixed. It took me about five or six months of back and forth, not so much with interiors. It was a, it was a problem with my generator manufacturer and the, and the watermaker guys uh, sea recovery. I did get them fixed. It was completely paid for by Sea Recovery and by coal or genset, but it was a hassle to do, but it didn't cost me anything other than time and headache. Um, You do also have the five-year standard um, materials warranty on the boat. Um, Lower financing costs. So if you do want to go through and buy a new boat, we have Lori Kaiser online. She can answer any questions about this. Um, The financing costs are lower if you finance your boat, on a new boat than they are on a used boat Um, and I put down here enjoy sailing versus fixing Um, I can tell you that after the first six months of owning a new boat you will get the wrinkles ironed out and we didn't have any significant issues other than standard maintenance for probably four or five years on our boat Um, it was great we just didn't have any big issues Uh, maintenance stuff that's standard of course we did but it was very different than what we have now on our 10-year-old boat um, the cons to buying a new boat, of course, it's more expensive. Um, it, it's a 12-month-plus waiting time to get a new boat. Um, and if you end up selling your boat in less than three years after you buy a new boat, you will take a larger depreciation hit on that boat you than sure you would if you that buy last, a new boat. Are you,
1: are you sure about that last bullet? What's that? The depreciation. I saw how they're appreciating is how old was that one Antares that was sold and it sold for more than what he bought it for?
0: (laughs) Oh, that's true. Yes, that's true. Um, (laughs) That's, that's true. But this is a, is a con for a new boat in this case. So if you sold a new boat in less than three years, let's say you bought it for one year and you sell it a year later, you're going to take more of a hit on that uh, than you would if you bought a used boat and sold it a year later. Um, That's, that's what I mean by this in general. So that's, that's, that's that but yes thanks david for bringing that up um so what oh i, I see a, a question here it says um hi paul busy mind let uh, see okay so i do have a question on here in the chat room already from brent guy to everyone uh,
7: that was the, that was a mistake i think uh, I'm that was a mistake I
0: okay no problem. my apologies uh <laughs> that's Newby. okay that's okay so let's just go through and talk about used boats um, clearly, a used boat costs less than a new boat. Um, it's also a good idea if you're not really sure about your sailing plans or if you'll own the boat longer than two or three years going back to depreciation, it may make more sense for you to buy a used boat. Um, you do have lower depreciation once you've purchased that new boat than you would on a on a uh, new boat. And you also get the instant gratification. You you see it, you buy it, you've got it. Um, You will, and this is, this is a fact you will at least based on my experience having owned both a new and now a very used boat. um, We do spend a lot more time fixing things than we used to. Um, If the boat is five years older, five years or older, there's a reason why charter boats, charter companies sell their, their boats after five years I mean things really start to go more uh, south, whether it be uh, new sales or whether it be electronic issues. it's just, we've had a, a number of issues on our boat lately and our boat's 10 years old. Like we need a full, a full refit on our boat with electronics. We need a full refit on our boat with a lot of things that have kind of unfolded new set of sails. Um, so it, things get pretty expensive. At least it has for us based on our experience but I'll just pause there and let any of the owners that want to chime in on, on the pros and cons here and, and answer any questions that may come up. Anybody else, have you, I, see, I see Mark and Catherine moving around. You guys, you guys recently bought your boat. You can hear me on Serenity. Or anybody else want to jump in? The, the David, biggest
2: con,
1: yeah. The biggest con I saw for a new boat was coming up with cash up front. It just tricks of trying to find ways to do it. A used boat, anybody can buy a used boat when it comes to financing. Practically yeah. anybody. It's just that that is just the biggest con, and I see everybody trying to buy an Antares. That's what they're running into is coming yep. up with those payments and having that cash up front and i think yep. you're trying to come up with solutions to that so
0: that's right so so let me just just jump in on that david and some of you guys on the call already know this but we are working on trying to create a solution for uh financing that was a a, a good tee up there david um help with Lori, who's 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 david's partner um as far as financing options on, on new boats uh, from the factory. So we're in the process of doing that. Um, that is still work in progress. Some of you guys on this call already know that because we've had these these conversations and we're um, in the middle of getting that nailed down and what that will look like. So um, anything else, anybody else wanna add to this conversation on new versus used? Glenn, what was your experience?
4: Yeah, I was gonna say, I. I think you hit it right, Mark. You and I both were, were new boat buyers. In my case, uh, you know, we, we'd been longtime sailors, but first time boat owners. And I I think we under, uh, underestimated the, the eventuality of the, of the maintenance work and so forth. So owning a new boat was a good way to kind of ease into that as opposed to a used boat, you know, where I would have had to, jump in right away and the learning curve would have been a little bit steeper so i think i think you you, you kind of nailed it that you know it is um it is the opportunity if you can do it you know to start yeah. out with things as you wanted and, and pretty good running shape we had very few uh early issues with the boat um and and really right now it's been other than a battery upgrade that we just did uh everything has been pretty routine maintenance
0: yeah yeah that was my experience, pretty much, and I think, I think for us, when when the, the wheel started to wobble um, with just larger issues that were just normal wear and tear on a boat after five years, six years of sailing, um, it wasn't a big deal necessarily. I knew I knew a lot more about how to fix those items, but you know, it was it was substantial enough where I'm glad I didn't have those challenges. For me, as someone with zero experience, now again, I'm a different situation than probably a lot of you guys, and I didn't have a whole lot of experience uh admittedly nor did Sarah when we bought our boat so buying a news a new boat for us we got exactly what we wanted we had kids we wanted certain things changed on our boat and it came out the way that we wanted it to come out um, and it just took a lot of stress away for me knowing that even though I had water maker issues and a genset that was driving me nuts I couldn't get figured out uh, we did get it sorted and um, you know it didn't I didn't have to pay for that experience at that point uh, which was helpful um, anybody else have any other any other comments to add? If not, we'll go on to the next topic.
5: Well, Mark, I was just going to agree with all of your comments uh, and, and also say that a boat is a very poor investment, whether it's new or used. <laughs> yeah. Um, you either get big depreciation, you have running costs. I've, I've been around boats all my life and uh, I can't remember when I wasn't fixing something. <laughs>
0: yeah um yes understood so I, I got a i got a question here from paul christensen hey paul how are you hope things are going well for you up in canada um if i buy a new paul said how much would the average maintenance cost be over a 10-year period wow um you know what i can do is is i can pull up well let me just respond just in a nutshell and put it in two different buckets um You've got your standard normal maintenance that you have to do on consumables that you have to do on any boat, whether it's a new or used boat. So that cost is it's static. Oil changes, filter changes, belt changes, anything and everything like that is pretty static in between a new or, or a used boat. Excuse me. the The cost that you would get into as you own the boat over time would be a new a new set of sails. If you've owned the boat for ten years, most sails. At least mine lasted six years, maybe seven, depending on what type of sales you have. Um, then you get into dealing with um, just mechanical issues that you could have with your engines or your genset if you have one. Um, anybody else want to jump in? I, I don't have a number yet, Paul. I can I can maybe put together some sort of an idea, some sort of a of a running estimate, but we can talk offline. Um, it's just a hard number to come up with. But anybody else have any insights on you know just the maintenance cost over a 10-year period from a new boat to now?
8: Just whatever you think it's going to be, you know, double that number and (laughs) probably closer to, you know, I I frequently use the phrase hemorrhaging money. We bought a 10-year-old boat. Was it eight or eight? It was 10 years old now. now, And we spent a tremendous amount on it. Um, But it's worth it. And I'm not sure if you added... You know, the new transmission, the new head gaskets, the new solar yeah. panels, and all this kind of stuff that's a lot of stuff that's happened because it's an older boat. If you still put that all together, I'm not sure the cost would come up to having bought a new boat. But I think that you know, one big consideration in new versus used is are you a person and and how much you're going to spend is are yeah. you a person that is very handy can you do a lot of the work yourself are you willing to jump in and really do what's needed or are you going to tend to be hiring somebody to do work yeah because that's going to make it a lot more that's right and
0: and and also new versus
8: on that if if you get a new boat as someone brought up that that onset of that kind of issues is going to be delayed somewhat to maybe give you time to come up to speed to being a person that's willing to jump in on things rather than getting a used boat where all of a sudden there could be a whole lot of stuff that you really need to not be afraid to jump in on.
0: That's right, that's right. And So that's actually a really good point um, to mention. And that's when it comes to, to fixing your boat when things break, um, there can be a dramatic cost on whether you do the work yourself, no matter whether it's a new or used boat. I mean, when you buy a new boat, it's now it's now a used boat, let's be clear. Um, it's just it's 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 a period of time that takes place after you buy a new boat, um, uh, uh, whether you sorry, whether you end up hiring out the labor or not. I mean, it's hundred twenty-five dollars an hour for most most skilled labor on a boat fix versus yourself. And you spend a week fixing something It can become very expensive very quickly um, on any boat. Uh, but that's a good point, whether you do it yourself or not. Um, some more questions uh, just came my, up. Yeah, go ahead, Russ.
5: I was just going to say someone just said 10 percent. Uh, I noticed the comment was 10% um, uh, of the value. I think that's a bit high. That's high. Um, yeah. For me anyway. For, for racing. Well, I was going to give you my experience of many different boats, racing boats. Yes. Cruising boats. Uh, I tend to say not, you know, cause you tend to be kinder to them. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and because Andaris has a fairly high cost, but it's high quality, so I, I would halve that and say 5%. And, and it also depends how you, how you do things. Um, I know in Elizabeth and Alan's case, they do a lot of their own work. Um, yep. I'm in a situation where I winter the boat just about every year. It comes out, goes on the hard. And because I want to go sailing, I pay people to do things. I do things myself as well um so uh yeah i I don't think i'd spend more than five percent
0: yeah i i know that we don't on our boat for sure um but again it's it's based on you know i I do do a lot more of the work now myself than i used to because i have time and because it's not easy to get it fixed um with quality labor where i'm located so um i know, yeah i have to go through and turn those numbers and, and when you think about the the cost, the ten percent or five percent. I mean, is that including marina fees? Is that including including what? Because some people do keep their boat on the hard or in the marina. Um, I mean, we're in a marina That's full it. time That's... at the moment. Yeah, go ahead, Russ. Uh,
5: well, uh, we we rarely stay in marinas when we're sailing. We're always yep. usually anchored somewhere, or you know, 10, 10 euros a night to tie up to a a quayside or something like that. Um, it's only wintering where we're paying marina fees, but I include everything, running the boat total. Sure, sure. Wouldn't be more than
0: 5%. Yeah, sure, thanks. Anybody else have any other comments to add to that?
8: Yeah, one thing that um, we've done quite a bit is if you're someone who is hesitant to be doing some of the work yourself, but you wanna learn how to do it, when we've had particularly electrical projects to do, We've hired a consultant. Basically, we have an electrician that we talk to. We run what we want to do by him. We even have him come look at it and direct, and direct us what to do. And then Alan, in particular, I help pull wires and stuff, but everything else Alan does. But then, you know, before we flip the final switch, we'll, you know, run it by okay, here's, here's how it looks. Here's what we did. Does it look okay? And that can kind of give you the confidence. If you're not a person who's really comfortable doing some of the more complicated boat maintenance or boat fixes or upgrades yourself um you're sort of a hybrid way of doing it with a consultant
0: yeah yeah agreed and i don't know if charles if you're on uh if you're on the call or not charles but charles just recently purchased an Eterius himself uh they closed on it maybe i don't know two weeks or so, or so ago and he had the pleasure of learning how to uh do an alignment he took things apart and realized that because he had a shaft issue and um, he took took the shaft out he ended up having an, an alignment issue as well so he got the pleasure of learning how to do that um and he just bought a used boat um a couple of weeks ago and i know i've been on on video calls with him for the last two or three days helping him with his engine alignment issues but anyway those things happen and he's doing it himself it's so a good idea i had the
7: pleasure i had i had the
0: pleasure of the same yes <laughs> i've done the same on my boats <laughs> Yeah, so, so mark yeah it's it's trial by fire sometimes uh but it's all good um all right so let's see any more questions from anybody on this topic um no it doesn't look like it so we'll move on to the next topic um so we've been talking about you know what it costs to own and, and new versus used. but i'd like to just hit on the topic of just lessons learned in general whether you bought a new boat or a used boat And you look back and you say darn it i wish i would have known that or i wish i would have done done this or or maybe it was a perfect you know no issue type of a deal i think i think for me um in my lesson learned and what i I coach anybody that that's buying a boat that i end up talking to whether it be a new or used boat um it's it's especially a new boat if you if you're buying a new boat you just need to at least set the expectation that you're going to have a a three to six-month window of time, and I say six months, of you're going to really have a have a lot to learn on that boat. Um, it's, a, it's a very steep learning curve, um, and so sometimes issues that you think you have on the boat maybe are not as big of an issue as you as they probably really are. But that's not it's not a, anyone's fault necessarily. It's just an experience issue trying to learn that. And 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 for me in particular, um, not having been a really a sailor, I had a pretty steep learning curve. It took me a solid six months of mucking around the Caribbean on my boat to get things figured out and get things that weren't working fixed. Um, And so it was it was a frustrating period of my existence. Um, But looking back on it, I wouldn't change it for the world because um, it was exactly what I wanted. And and it worked out. I just didn't have the expectation that it was just going to be perfect because I had a huge learning curve. And so that was a huge lesson for me. Anybody else? Lessons learned new or used boat?
4: I'll chime in on that, Mark. Yeah. Uh, this is Glenn Neil, Neil Sullivan, who you know well, uh, yeah. gave me that same advice. He said, "He said the first year you're gonna be doing everything for the first time. After that, it's downhill." And he was he was spot on. Uh, yeah, it, you know, you're learning things for the first time. You're learning how to be a plumber, an electrician, you know, uh, electronics guy. You know, you're doing it all for the first time. Let alone learning how to sail the darn boat. And yeah. Uh, then after and you get in the groove you're like I got this you know? and it, and it does take a little while whether it's new yeah. or new or, or, or used
0: yeah I, I think that's right I mean it's, it's I think I think it's, it's a summary of the learning curve and being able to troubleshoot and diagnose issues um, it can be very over, overwhelming you almost have to compartmentalize your boat into in systems when you think about it. You have the electrical systems, you have the water maker, you have the mechanical systems with the engines, you have the plumbing systems, you have so many different systems on the boat and they're all in some cases interconnected. And it's just, it's a, you know, maybe your solenoids busted and you have a problem in your toilet, you know, who knows, but these things happen and it just can drive you nuts or you, or a clogged, or, <laughs> Mark's laughing because he's been through this on Serenity or, or a clogged, uh, clock toilet i had that happen uh, just just about a month ago with guests on board um and and believe me it's I, I knew how to fix it i knew what the problem was and it wasn't pretty but i, I knew what to do if i didn't know what to do it'd be very overwhelming <laughs> mark and catherine you guys want to jump in if you still have connection maybe we just lost them they're they're sailing anybody else have any david go ahead yeah lessons
1: learned. learn i did get a relatively new used boat But I came into this thing all fired up, ready to fix stuff. Yeah, I mean, you
7: asked. uh, You asked.
1: So many times I
0: tried to
7: fix. And what?
0: I think that's Mark jumping in. Hey, Mark, I think you have a a slower connection because you're uh, a little choppy. Go ahead, David.
1: All right so so many times I was fired up to fix something and I found out it didn't need to be fixed I was just using it wrong uh trying to figure uh, out why we're gonna I'm gonna try
7: where we are see how at, it works we're about
1: 2 miles off
2: can you
0: No we can't hear you very well Mark go ahead David so, uh, so many times I was trying to fix stuff and
1: only found out that I just didn't know how to use it. Uh, the displays on all my dashes—I had one display that was dim, and I was troubleshooting, couldn't figure out what was going on. And there's there's a little dim light next to the Volvo Penta on/off button. I didn't know it existed. Uh, yeah. The hot water heater wasn't working, and I'm troubleshooting left and right, and found out that the landline one plugged in. So I'm all fired up to fix, and it's just yeah. slow down read the manual very good manual shout out to the forum everybody will tell you what you got to do um but it's a big thing it's
0: not everything's always broken (laughs) that's right that's very true i thought i had an autopilot problem and it was a user error (laughs) this thing's not working but take it back to freedom and get it fixed i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> so anyway that was
1: yeah. so, uh, beth knows very well i was in fear of buying used i'm getting somebody else's headache i don't want somebody else's headache i was not new i'm new to the boating world i've never been yeah. around boats and i found out it's not like cars it's not like homes people aren't getting rid of the problems or yeah. upgrade they're either they've done their entire life on it and now they're moving out of it And between getting a survey done and the fact that stuff is always getting replaced and fixed. It just used, it had so many extra features. I mean, the prior owner had customized so many different things and added so many bells and whistles that you would not get in new, I, I tried to get new, but I am sold on buying used and I'm always selling people and buying used because it's already
0: been (laughs) the weeks are in there sorry yeah no that's fine everybody has their own way of doing things um i see this question that came through from paul and he said i want to clarify this because i because paul says he's thinking about buying a new hybrid that'll cost him 1.4 canadian are people suggesting that i'm going to have an average of 70 to 140k per year just to keep the boat running and the answer is absolutely not um You know, it's, 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 that's why I, 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 um, listen, any boat that you own, Paul, um, you're going to need to maintain and maintaining the consumables in particular is not an expensive task to do if you do it yourself. Um, the issue that, and this, this whole, when we bought our boat new, we didn't spend anywhere near, I I have to go back through and look and see, but I mean, if you keep your boat in marinas, marinas will cost you money um if you and, and sometimes a lot of money if you do a lot of the work yourself that's not warranty work on a new boat that will cost you money but most of the items not all of them but most of them will be warranty and initially a lot of them will be oem related um, those that are not will be covered by the by the manufacturer um needing to so i, I you know anybody else want to jump in because I, I i think i look at that and i say there's i know i didn't spend anywhere near that on my boat glenn do you want to jump in i know you bought a new boat
4: yeah, uh, so uh, I would say for the first three years, we we just did the routine maintenance, you know, filters, oil changes, fluids on the you know genset engines, um, and we did most of that ourselves. I mean, it was pretty straightforward to do, and uh, if you if you throw out the fact that it's there's no labor charge because you're doing it yourself, you know, I'd say less than a grand a year you know in in parts for that um yeah just just that just that maintenance yeah i mean there's you know stainless polish and you know lubricants and all the stuff that you know you got to have for any boat you know but yeah that's not it's not five percent of the boat by any means no
0: it, no it, it, it's not you
4: know, oh. Mark. not even
0: close I, not even close not yeah, yeah go, close. go ahead Gord. you Go or go ahead, jump well, in you bought
4: a new boat
3: know, we, we we bought new from the factory and um nowhere close to five percent we like mark no. we had a we had an, uh, an an issue with our port our port volvo engine for about two years and finally got it fixed but um you know you got to separate the regular maintenance things and you know like polish you're talking about polish. well those are things for personal and you do because you like to keep your boat looking good and, and maintained and filters those are all natural things that have to be done but in terms of uh, buying new and having uh, a ton of costs no um
9: not at all the difference for me is you know i'm going to retire i'm selling most of everything that i own and i intend to spend 15 years getting my adventure on and um you know i need to financially structure myself as a retired dude and i I need to kind of have a plan like what's my slush fund going to look like and i'm kind of thinking of having a 200 dollars slush fund but uh that gets eaten up pretty fast if people are saying it's going to cost you 140 grand a year just to to balance it on average it's 140 grand a year and then i no way. And no. I saw the used Antares uh, that got a complete electrical refit because of a proximal lightning strike. And I went, Holy smokes, I hope that was insured.
0: It was insured. That was me.
9: It was? Yeah. That was yes. me.
0: And Gord had one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had fully one. Fully insured. Yeah, Mark.
3: Yeah. But you, yes. you what, one little thing, one little thing about lightning strikes I want to tell everybody is you have to read the fine print of your insurance policy. That's and right. I didn't find out about the fine print of my insurance policy until after the lightning strike. And that was that the premium doubled on a lightning strike. I had $17,500 $17, insurance on a regular, and they doubled it to $35,000. And that was the, your deductible. Yeah. That was my deductible. And right. it cost me $36,000 to fix my boat. Oh. And that was with me doing... 90% of the work so just right. read your insurance fine print please because it's uh, very important as to what the deductible is but that's right Paul rest assured rest assured you will not spend a hundred thousand dollars a year on uh stuff no. for your boat nowhere no. near yeah. we only for near. Five years. spend a hundred thousand yeah. in five years no so, right. so freaking uh, okay. out there a little no, no, Paul, relax. Take a deep breath. Get the uh, get the chest uh, compressions going.
7: Hey, Paul, what you do is you get a hybrid and then you make energy and you sell it to other boats and that 5 right. to 10% cost goes in the other direction. It's Perfect. Amazing. We talked about that. Before.
5: Good plan. Yeah. that's right. We Mark, spent a- when I said, I was hosing down the comment, which was 10%, I said it wasn't anywhere near 10%. Um, I was talking about racing boats and then I said, for me, because I do get work done by third parties and I do winter the boat every year. So you've got to, there's all this cost involved in hauling the boat, wintering it and then recommissioning it at the beginning of every season. So there's all these extra costs that I incur. And I said, it wouldn't even be close to 5% and the boat's 10 years old. So yeah. Yeah. uh, even on even on a used part you, you'd have to be have a lot of bad luck, which can happen. Yeah, and be it, uninsured for, be... <laughs> for lightning strike, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah,
0: that's right, <laughs> right? Yeah.
8: Well, I made the comment that that we're hemorrhaging money, it's still not—I mean, not the ten percent type thing that you're worried about. If you took all our marina costs, you know, we probably spend five months a year in a marina and all our costs and all the money we spend in the year and all the upgrades and all the maintenance and the fixing and everything that we do on a on hull number 26 so it's an old pdq boat um we still don't come up to 10 percent of what we paid for it at seven hundred thousand.
2: and our biggest expenses have all been upgrades yeah they haven't been repairs there have been things that we wanted to upgrade right yeah we want to put new
8: on different alternators on things like that so yep. really, you know, you can get by. You know, what you spend in, in boat ownership depends a lot on your lifestyle, and you know, do you wax it yourself or do you hire somebody to do it? Do you clean your own bottom or do you hire somebody to do it? You know, so you can actually be pretty frugal. You know, if you if you keep up your maintenance, take good care of your boat, um, and are frugal and do a lot of the, the work yourself, you know, you don't spend anywhere near that kind of money. No. That, to run the other way.
0: No, and a lot of times too. The the um, you know someone might say that boat costs about ten percent to run, and they're putting to a motor yacht that's a that burns that includes fuel costs, marina costs, and you know it, it's a massive deal. I mean, um, it's it's my single business, my single biggest expense that I've that I've had on my boat um, are new a new a new set of sails and I bought the high-end north sails for my boat. They were not inexpensive. Um, I also did a lithium upgrade. So these are upgrades. I mean, the sails I needed, I needed new batteries. I went lithium. I upgraded to lithium. Um, and then um, I need all new electronics. My electronics are, are kind of um, at the at the end of the road, and that's going to be expensive. But um, again, even, even if I added all those together, it's not 10% of the cost of my boat for one year. Um, and those are, those are my big purchases over the last, um you know uh three or four years so anyway i just don't want people to freak out that that's going to be a, a hard number because it's not all right i see i see some more questions here coming through uh came from mark uh it's from mark and catherine on serenity um in fact you guys can read this just as well as i can so i'll li- let you guys jump into that we'll keep moving here to keep things on track um anything else any other questions on lessons learned otherwise we'll keep we'll keep moving. Okay, let's keep going just for sake of time. What I want to do is just show I did a survey just this week and thank you guys that replied the the owners that replied. Um, as far as who, how do you own your boat. Do you own it personally or do you own it through an LLC. Um, and we'll talk about the pros and cons to both of those and get feedback from from everybody but just uh, over half of the current owners of inventaries own their boat through an LLC. The other half, or um, less than half, own it personally. And so, um, is this an important metric to a new boat buyer? Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But what's more important is to really understand why you might want to do one or why you might want to do the other. And so, let's just talk through that um, and go through. And let's first just talk about the limited liability LLC setup. So, um, I'm speaking from experience on my side. My boat is owned by an LLC. Um, I up in Delaware, I did it for a number of reasons. Um, and I'm gonna talk through these and just kind of also maybe dismiss some of the the uh, things that may not be completely accurate. Um, first of all, there is owner protection possible. A lot of people, of course, if you're gonna charter your boat, nobody that I know of really charters a boat that owns an Ontario's, but if you did, you definitely would want it in some sort of an LLC for for managing your expenses, what you can write off, and also just protecting yourself from a liability perspective, however, if you just have a shell company like I do that owns a boat and you don't really have any true sense of creating revenue and doing revenue to expenses on it, um, it could be harder if you were to be sued to be able to protect yourself um, if it was solely there to protect the asset. And there really is no revenue generation, which is how mine's set up. So I may not have as much protection as I think I do having an LLC. Um, There are not a lot of tax benefits for me to do that because I'm not really uh, trying to generate, to create revenue through my LLC, i.e. Um, uh, uh, you know, chartering out my boat. So I don't really, I have zero tax benefits, at least I haven't taken advantage of any to do that. Um, however, there is, um, if, if, if a buyer is savvy enough, um, there is um, a definite potential for a buyer to not have to pay sales tax um, on a boat that is being sold through an LLC. Um, because you're not selling the boat, you're selling the LLC, and and you will do a transfer of ownership. You're not trans, you're not purchasing that asset, um, and you will. In the state of Florida, as an example, this is, um, it's very popular in the state of California. Actually, a lot of people you'll even see if you walk the docks sometimes in California, um, a boat for sale and say owned by LLC. And the reason why they specify that is because you buy the LLC, you don't pay sales tax on that boat. Um, so if the boat's owned by a Floridian, they've already paid their taxes on it. It's owned an LLC. You can just purchase their LLC and not have to pay sales tax on it. And we did confirm that just this week, by the way, with the Department of Revenue for Florida, just to reconfirm that. Um, and so it but but the trick to that is, by the way, if you're selling your boat, is you have to, you cannot just do it normally as you would typically buy a, a person-to-person transaction. You must involve an attorney that knows what they're doing because you're buying the LLC. The LLC may for some reason have may be encumbered by a lien or a debt on the llc itself not on the boat you must go through an attorney to properly vet that process but it can save you anywhere from you know, 15 to eighteen thousand plus plus dollars in doing that transaction if you're a buyer um also with an llc the issue that we've run into in traveling is uh, some countries will require me to show that i am a um, authorized uh, member of that own, of that llc to operate the vessel and to bring it in through customs and so I've had to show a notarized document that shows that I'm the owner of the LLC to be able to go in and out of countries. That's happened in several places. One of them that's really sticky on that, at least it was for me, was Brazil. Um, and also, as I mentioned before, if, you, if you're going to sell a boat in an LLC, you need to go through and, and uh, hire an attorney. You, I, I believe you absolutely must do that if you're doing an LLC, but it can save you a lot of money for the buyer and you have state income tax issues. Any other comments from anybody on LLCs before I get to private ownership? Want to jump in on how you own your boat and why? Did I miss anything? Did I misspeak?
4: Mark, uh, this Glenn. So um, yeah, I just I discovered another benefit of LLC ownership. We did set up Mira uh, owned by an LLC, and yeah. uh, As I think I told you, the boat was sort of stranded in Spain uh, during COVID and we were back home in the States and um, we were desperately trying to get back to uh, get back on board the boat and move move it back to uh, to, uh, across the Atlantic and and back to the Caribbean. Uh, At the time, US citizens were not able to get over to, uh, to Europe. And even now, you know, the restrictions are just lifting but essential personnel were, and yacht workers were considered essential personnel. So uh, we hired ourselves as crew by our corporate, by our LLC um, to, we presented the papers uh, as we got into Europe as uh, as, uh, yacht workers hired by the owner of the boat to move the boat. So that was a nice side benefit of having it in an LLC.
0: Yeah, that's good. Anybody else, <laughs> have anything else to add on LLC ownership? Um, one thing that's not on here that I, that I forgot to put on here actually is you do have an annual cost to do that. Uh, for me, it's $250 roughly uh, per year to keep my LLC alive and working. Um, it's not, it's, it's nominal, but there is an annual cost to keeping the LLC running um so private ownership uh, you have less paperwork is involved uh less annual cost you don't have the 250 bucks or so 300 bucks depending on where you have yours registered to keep that up and going um, you potentially have less personal protection from the lawsuits but it's not really applicable if you are not chartering your boat anyway uh it's probably less of a, of a of an issue um and and of course if you have a buyer obviously you need to deal with the tax implications if you're selling the boat in florida you can get a 30 I'm sorry, a uh, three month waiver. Uh, if you're from out of state, um, maybe extended to six months. Um, but, but you do have, do have potentially have sales tax issues depending on where you buy the boat, um, unlike buying from an LLC. Anybody else, any, anybody else that, that owns their boat privately that would have anything else to add versus an LLC? Any other owner? Alan and Elizabeth, how do you guys own your boat? LLC or private? Well,
2: oh, it's private. Okay. I never even thought about an LLC. So, okay. I mean, it's not that I rejected it. I didn't even think about it.
0: Okay.
3: As far as I, well, I, I did check on it, as far as Canadians, and it made no difference to us. So okay. I went with private ownership. And okay, right. You're Canadian. It was fine with the, with the whole purchase and sale. Uh, okay. And any any uh, traveling through any countries, it was simple and no issue. Why yeah, did no it issue. Make
9: it- Why did it make a difference? Why did it make no difference for a Canadian? I'm a Canadian.
3: Well, it, it, there was no, it didn't, it didn't appear to me in my research that there was any benefit in terms of legal uh, ramifications being sued by somebody because uh, they're on the Canadian LLCs. You've got to name yourself and then um, they're going to come after you. And so, um, for, for, for me to buy an LLC in Canada was uh, I think $1,000 or $1,200 and then uh, a yearly cost and it didn't really provide because we were sailing outside of Canada and had nothing to do with we were never going to bring our boat to Canada because we didn't want to pay the tax to bring it and import it to Canada and so it made no uh, sense to spend that money and have no benefit.
9: I want to find out more about that tax thing, not bringing it back.
3: Well, well, I'll tell you right now, if you, if uh, my, ours was registered in Canada as a Canadian vessel, but we did not. If you bring it back to Canada for more than 30 days, then you have to pay the Canadian tax, which is the HST. You know what I'm talking about? But if you register in Canada, but keep it out of Canadian waters, you don't pay the tax. So it, and we chose we we sailed Canadian waters, and we had no intention of bringing it to Canada, and so um, it was fine for us in terms of the tax uh, benefit or or whatever it would provide for us. Right,
5: thank yeah, you, Mark. Uh, private ownership for me. Um yeah. I bought the I bought the boat in Europe. Um, I flagged it in Malaysia, which will be another. <laughs> Topic in Lankawi. Oh, you um, did. Okay. Boats never come. Yeah, the boats never come to Australia. Um, but if I did bring it to Australia, um, I'd be able to sail it around Australian waters for a period of time, and it's quite long. It's like twelve months. Um, but as soon mm-hmm. as they determine I'm importing the the boat, then I'd be hit with importation duties. Yes. So um,
3: same as Canada.
5: Yeah. But it's not 30 days, mate. So, you know, we, it's, they they allow quite a bit longer. Yes, uh, I think private ownership is is simpler and uh, like um, uh, someone else said, I I just didn't even consider it because I I just have an attitude that a boat is not an investment. It's a depreciating asset, so it's a very poor investment. So, yeah. um, yeah, you, you kind of have the money to pay for it or, or you can't afford
0: it. Yeah, that's true. Um, I saw a question come through. I did just want to ask it and then address the answer I saw in the chat for those that may not be seeing the chat. But the question came it came up, it said, um, has anyone put their boat into a trust? And the answer was yes uh, from Elizabeth and Alan. You want you guys want to elaborate on the trust setup?
8: Yeah, well, basically, we just titled the boat in the name of the trust, and then we make sure that all the documents, you know, the, the Coast Guard registration, everything shows the trust as the owner, and there's really not been anything more to it than that. It's pretty easy.
0: Okay, okay. So no no big issues that you found doing that?
2: It's a pretty big asset. You know, if, if you've done yeah. that with your other assets, it makes a lot of sense, you know, to put an asset that size in the trust Yeah. so that it's going to... Without all the fall or roll of you know going through probate.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, that's that's actually a very good point. I don't have. I mean, I have have ours in our estate planning, but it's not sure how that's set up. I'm not an attorney on that one. I don't know. Um, anybody else have any more questions or comments on private ownership? If not, we will go to the next topic. Keep things moving. We're we're uh, a little bit behind on on schedule, but that's okay because everybody this is here to answer the questions for people as it kind of goes through, which dovetails into registration country. Um, this is a question you know that everybody tends to research when they're buying a boat. How do you best register your, your boat? Um, a lot depends on where you live. If you're Canadian, if you're American, if you're European, if you're Australian, the list goes on. So I'm, I'm not gonna dive into it too much, but I wanna point into just one, one key point that's important for those people that may be thinking about buying a uh, new boat in Argentina, um, and in particular, if you are thinking about doing a U.S. Coast Guard registration in, uh, on your boat, the issue that has happened is the U.S. Coast Guard has taking a very long time to get the paperwork done to actually get your boat registered at their backlog. And so what you don't want to do if you're buying a new boat is to have your boat stuck in Argentina because you can't export it till you have the paperwork um to wait for the u.s coast guard to get their stuff in, in gear it's taking some, in some cases many weeks and in some cases possibly even up into the months i've been told as far as the backlog with the u.s coast guard so state registration is is an option if you're thinking about uh, buying your boat in argentina you can do a state registration on it you can do that in a couple of days uh, a week and then export the boat via a state registration in argentina You can use that to also, and we're confirming that, Lori, uh, with your bank, as far as financing the new boat on a state registration, and then apply for U.S. Coast Guard and transfer that state ownership to a U.S. Coast Guard dock when you get back to the Caribbean or whenever the Coast Guard gets their act together. But that's just one little loophole that um, works in Argentina now is a state registration for export, which saves a lot of time um, for those that are thinking about buying a new boat. Um, other than that, I'll just be quiet and let anybody else answer any, more qu- or answer any questions or talk about a BBI or EU, Canadian. We've covered some of, this topic, some of these topics already. I do see a question here. It says, can used can use boats that are U.S. Coast Guard document be transferred to the new owner? If they're personally registered, the answer is no, um, uh, because it's in that person's name and you need to re-register with the Coast Guard and put it in your name. Uh, that's the beauty of having an llc so my boat is not owned by me it's owned by my llc and when you do the llc transfer you don't have to do anything to your boat document so if it's registered in the BVI, so as an example um uh, this is this is um a possibility if you if you buy a boat that's registered let's say in the BVI, and it's owned by an llc all you need to do is do a transfer of ownership to the llc assuming that you've done due diligence, that the LLC is not encumbered in liens, et cetera, it's clean LLC, you transfer it over and then there's nothing else that you have to do because you you own the LLC, which then in fact owns the asset, which is already registered with BVI under the LLC's name. Um, so that's why you would have to do the, re, the re-registration on the LLC purchase. Um, anybody else um, have any more thoughts on boat registration and country?
6: Mark, I just have a a comment on that. Yeah. Um, the Go question ahead, seems like um, US Coast Guard documented, can it be transferred to a new owner? It absolutely can be. Um okay. the Coast Guard, you know, gives a documentation number to the vessel. As uh-huh. a boat is transferred from owner to owner, it's very yep. easy to transfer tra- that number okay. to a new owner as long as it's a US citizen. If okay, it's not right. and it's an LLC, it gets a little bit more complicated, but yeah, But it is it is e- easy to do that.
0: Yeah, thanks for, thanks for clarifying. But you still need to, to register it in your name because you're the new owner of that Coast Guard documented vessel, correct? You can't Absolutely. keep it in. Yeah, yeah, so you still have to go back and, and not re-register, but use the same number, whatever it is, and put it in your right. name.
6: With the right. new information. With the right. new information of, that, of the new
0: owner. Yeah, thanks, Beth.
6: And that does That's take sometimes months. You know, like you were saying, the Coast Guard is backlogged. But what we found is that as long as you keep running papers on the on the boat, you're absolutely fine. If you can prove that you've you've submitted that information, you're good.
0: Good, thank you. That's that helps clarify that. Any more questions on registration? This is the hot topic for people, of course, but um, anybody else have any questions that would, would want any owner to maybe chime in on or Beth chime in on?
3: Anybody that's, want, anybody that's anybody anybody that's registering in Canada, it's it's fairly simple with a hull number and uh, the documentation from Terry's if you're buying a new one. Uh, and Terry sent me the documentation with my hull number even before the boat was uh, completely done. I submitted yep. that to our Canadian Coast Guard, and it was uh, it came back fairly quickly with uh, my registration. So it's, it's fairly straightforward for Canadian registration. Yeah. So, and, and, another, and, and I might yeah. add, it's very simple when you're, and we sold our boat to an American who registered it. And, and, uh, that was a fairly simple process also. Now, as Beth was saying, it, it can take some time, but they can still own the boat and sail the boat and, uh, have the paperwork if they're ever, uh, challenged on it until yeah they call them running
6: papers so as long as you have that on board you can show the paper trail of what the process was who it's gone to and then it's in process
0: correct yeah okay very good another question came up and said um cruising the east coast any benefits to getting a state registration rather than u.s coast guard i'm not an expert on this i don't know
6: No. What we usually find is that it's best to get the U.S. Coast Guard documentation first. Um, That makes it easy to go in and out of the the country to the Bahamas. Certainly on the East Coast, you're likely to to bounce out and go to the Bahamas. Um, Some boats don't state register their boat at all because they're cruising so much they don't really have a home port. Um, We also find that many owners choose a state that they don't maybe live in because the state doesn't require residency i.e rhode island rhode island has no sales tax Um, it has a mailing address versus a physical address so you can choose a hailing port of where i am right now block island or newport or anything as long as you have that on your boat you can have a mailing address in colorado Um, it it doesn't matter to them but yet you're not paying any sales tax so it's it's definitely a shell game. You know, you need to think about how you're gonna use the boat, where, where you're gonna use the boat and um, sort of where your residency is um, and then decide what your comfort level is on all of that. But you don't have to even state register the boat. You can just document the boat.
3: And, and there's also other circumstances for foreign flag vessels who travel uh, coastal waters of the United States. Um, that True. needs to be researched True. by each person because we found out the hard way uh, of not <laughs> yes, uh, checking in. And uh, <laughs> anyway, it's 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 easily it's easily overcome. But when you're a foreign flag vessel in the United States, they want to know where you are every night.
6: They do, they do. And then if you have work done, it's it's one thing. If you have, you know, if you're you're putting your boat on the hard, it's another thing. So it's. There's definitely a dance you have to do around the the, the customs people. Yeah,
3: yeah. All we, right, we so sailed we keep... all the way up from. Okay, sorry.
0: No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gord.
3: No, we sailed. We sailed all the way from uh, south end of Florida all the way up to Annapolis and back back down to St. Charles, um, uh, South Carolina without reporting once. We were a foreign flag vessel. We. Uh, the customs guy came and knocked on our hall and said, I'd like to see your uh, documentation from all your report ins. I didn't have one. And he said, well, that could be upwards of a $10,000 fine. And you're supposed to call this one 800 number every night that you change locations. If you're a foreign flag vessel. Well, (laughs) anyway, he was very nice. I was able to talk my way around it and throw myself on his mercy and um, ended up that I started from that point on calling in the eight hundred number every night. So yeah. it is when you're a foreign flag vessel.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks, Gord. All right. We'll keep moving um, on to the next topic, which is boating um, knowledge before buying. The big, the big question uh, from from people have have been, what do I need to know? before I buy a boat, whether it be a used boat or a new boat, anything that I need to do to be better prepared for the experience, the journey, and the frustration that is inevitable in any type of boat that you buy. <laughs> so um, I can give you my list, but but it's, I mean, we had a whole list of classes that we took, ASA classes, um, multiple Ontario universities, and I was still clueless. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's but but in all honesty there are definitely some classes that, that you can take anybody want to jump in on what you've done in the past to help people uh, you know get a good jump start on boat ownership especially if you've not owned one before do
4: a lot of chartering
0: do a lot of chartering
4: do a lot of chartering yeah make sure you like sailing a lot of people yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're you're the exception mark you know you, I, I know you weren't I know. a sailor you jumped in no. feet first, and uh, here you are 10 years later. It's fantastic. Well, you'd, be
6: surprised, you'd be surprised at how many people come to the table with no knowledge, but they are so gung-ho. I would say that more than half of our owners have come to the table. I, we don't know a thing. We want to jump in. We know this is the boat we want to do it on. And yes, that guy right there in the matching shirts over there is one of them you know they're just they they've done their research they they know this is a scary adventure they want to take that leap and they know the Antares is the right choice to do it and learning everything after the fact it comes you all know it you maybe you've taken the classes because insurance requires it or you know you're going to get a discount in your insurance cuz you've got the 101 the 102 the 103 but you guys pick it up it's it's amazing it's
5: really great. Yeah. yeah so, Mark, I, so I, I, go ahead, Russ. Yeah, Mark, I'd, I'd say that you could probably write a pretty good list in categories, uh, as you've done, uh, under what is sailing knowledge, you know, mechanical knowledge, uh, relationship yeah. knowledge, <laughs> all of those things. Um, yeah. Some of them,
0: some all of the them above. are going to
5: be, yeah, some of them are going to be. Are quite critical and important, and some of them are going to be just nice to have. And I think that'd be a great list to give everyone just to then just to go down and go tick, 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 tick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm not strong here. I'm not strong there. But you know, you choose when to let go of the lines and head out to sea. So you, you can play around on your boat in very safe circumstances. And just take baby steps, baby steps. You don't have to cross the Atlantic on your first outing.
0: That's very true. In fact, in fact, Russ, you gave me a good idea, and I'll do this. Um, um, I, what we will do is we will do a, uh, a survey with the owners and just have them create a list of things based on categories and what recommendations they would recommend for new buyers, whether it be new or used. We'll give that list to Beth for her clients, we'll give it to our clients, and we'll be able to at least have a some sort of a blueprint for people that ask this question all the time, what do I need to learn? What do I need to know? Um, but let me just say two things that are a little bit separate from this. And that's for anybody buying a, an Antares. I cannot overemphasize the importance um, of the Antares owners forum, and the ability to be able to learn uh, very quickly issues that you Come up with whether it be a new or a used boat, and be able to get those items figured out in a fairly quick manner. Um, that did not exist when I bought my boat, and it was a email. It was basically Neil Sullivan and I going back and forth for um, over a year trying to figure our, figure ourselves out. You
6: created it.
0: We you did. The that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, so because of that huge issue that I had myself, um, we created the. Terry's owner forum and and it's been it, it is one heck of a resource uh now where there's so much more collective knowledge we have 105 members it's a very large collective uh, of Ontario's owners both current and past that can help you after you buy a new boat to to answer your questions and to be able to to get you um solutions very quickly in very remote places and so I don't want to that that's a huge tool that didn't exist before number two if you don't have a lot of sailing experience, and if you are sailing your boat on a long passage, say from Argentina to the Caribbean, um, I do encourage people to seriously consider hiring a captain uh, to do that. Um, I hired one myself, uh, it was Bob Crandall's captain, um, an English guy who was a very good captain. He knew the Antares and it was a huge, huge learning curve um, reducer for me because I had the safety of having somebody that knew the boat already on board and it just made it that much less stressful. So I I think of any of the, any of the classes I took, I could probably throw them on the trash can and say the two months of having a captain on board full time was major for me personally. Um, and that's all I have to say. And so a, a question asked, Denise asked a question, how much does a captain cost ballpark? Um, they usually charge anywhere from two to four dollars per nautical mile and that's and that varies um i that's i think the going rate is somewhere in that range um but but what i found is this and that's um a lot of times owners are willing to volunteer their time if you're a new buyer and you say hey i need some help the owners will chip in i mean i've had many interiors owners come and help me sail not because i'm not experienced because i needed the extra hands because my family didn't want to do a nasty passage. And so Neil would fly in um, and he did that multiple times. Um, And so you do have the resources of owners that have time. I mean, so anyone that buys a boat, a new boat in particular, you know, I'll spend a week or two you at no cost on board because I want to help you get the systems figured out um, and make you more comfortable because ultimately we want you to be happy on the boat, Um, but also because it's intimidating. It's just a fact. It's intimidating. Um, anybody else? So, Brent Guy asked a question How about forming a mentoring program for the first six months in <laughs> Terry's graduate school? Um, yeah, <laughs> you mean six months of? Yeah, I mean, so Brent, on that note, I know that you're maybe, we'll hopefully see you soon. Um, but yes, we just need to, I just wanted to bring that up because so people don't always know about the Interiors Forum and the ability that you can also. Ask for help and have people chip in and even fly to help you. We helped deliver a boat, um, uh, Chad's boat, from Grenada to Florida, and that was from owners volunteering to help, and that was very helpful. Um, and so that's that's a big deal. All right, so we'll keep going because I know it's it's I'm ten minutes over my scheduled time, and I want to kind of get through this. I only have two more two more main topics, and that's um, packing recommendations. So I've gotten a lot of questions about what do we need to pack for Argentina, if we move down to Argentina and buy a boat, any recommendations? I got two photos. Uh, One, this could have been my family on on the left, uh, but with a lot more boxes than this. Um, And then some people have have gone with a lot less. And so the question is, and we've got Gord smiling. um, uh, Gord, do you want to just talk about you and your packing and what you brought down to Argentina and any recommendations? I kind of put them in two, two main categories here um uh it's i we 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 overdid it so i'm not a very good example we brought everything and then some
3: well we we brought most things because we made a trip down to argentina and found out what little they had and how expensive it was and so we packed um and made i think 3 trips with the person on the left there <laughs> bins and boxes um because then I knew I could get what I wanted either in Canada or the States and then yeah. take it down. And we had no issue. The, the, uh, the factory was very gracious in providing a storage location for us. Um, yeah. And now I'm not sure that's available today, but um, it is. We were, early it is. On. we were early on, so it, it, it was uh, beneficial to us. And um, yeah, I, we just brought probably 90% of the stuff that we wanted.
0: Yeah. How about you, Glenn?
4: Yeah, um, I'm thinking back on a blog post that I did on this exact subject uh, not long ago, Mark. And you know, it was. I I think we learned the same thing as Gord. You know, you you got down to Argentina, and you know, uh, it's you know Buenos Aires is a big city. You know, you can buy clothing and bedding and all that kind of stuff there. But if, if you're if you're particular and you you want certain appliances? Well, you know, you got a 110 boat. You want 110 appliances, like you have here. Um, so you got to you got to bring that stuff, or wait until your your next destination. In our case, we didn't do any stops between Argentina and the Caribbean. Well, uh, one stop in Brazil, but yeah. you know, we really we really commissioned the boat for living aboard in Grenada. Um, and so we decided, you know, and it's also a bit of a hassle bringing stuff down, you know, yeah. like Gord, you know, I brought things, you know, boxes checked in my luggage um, and, you know, totes of all sorts. But at the end of the day, you know, shipping stuff down there is if you're not doing that is kind of complicated. So um, we just decided to, to do it in Grenada buy the essentials in Argentina, bring the essentials down to Argentina. You know, you can't you can't bring um, lithium batteries and fire extinguishers on, on the plane, right? Yeah. So yeah. you gotta buy it in Argentina if you're gonna have basic security features. You can't have, um, you know, compressed air uh, kind of things either. So you've, you've gotta do the safety things, you know, in Argentina. Just the essentials for the for the passage, and if your next destination is you know some where you can have access to more uh, things from the U.S. or from Canada or wherever, you're going to find it way easier to commission your boat there than trying to do it um, in a country that maybe doesn't have what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, so so that's um, certainly a good possibility to do that and and what i noticed and I've, I've not been down there i've been trying to get back to argentina and i haven't been able to because of the travel restrictions but um they have consolidated just based on the latest update i received from memo and sancho a lot of the chandleries now are in, in a better location it's it's they even have a walmart uh not that that matters but uh down there now so things seem to have gotten a little a little bit better near the boatyard but I haven't had a chance myself to go down there and get a feel for what is and what is not possible, and also what it costs. I mean, the, it could be a lot more expensive. Um, you know, we we brought down sixteen bins of stuff, so we brought down everything. The only thing we bought locally was Tupperware. Um, everything else, and that's because we we found a Tupperware store in the middle of Buenos Aires that Sarah like We went and bought a bunch of Tupperware. Um, but but it it was it was inexpensive for us to bring our stuff down. But that's because I flew the family down in business class because I had upgrades on United from my work. And we were able to bring on four 50-pound or 60-pound checked luggage for free. And so and we brought down tons of stuff, um, parasailers, drugs, everything through without much cost. Now, shipping it's a different deal. Um, and so that's you have to do that. And really, you have to ship it to Uruguay. Uh, that's the recommendation from the boatyard to ship the big stuff to Uruguay, put it in storage there, and then they'll pick it up when your boat splashes duty free because the duty component can be challenging if you don't bring it in yourself um, on an, on a flight. And that's the other issue. So um, there, there are solutions to do this. It's There's not an easy answer um, other than probably less is more and do more of it in the Caribbean. Glenn, to your point, which I think makes a lot of sense. I mean, we would have spent a lot of money if we would have paid for the 16 or so bins that we, that we ended up bringing down on two different flights to Argentina over the years. Um, anybody else that, that bought a new boat, any more comments on, on just Argentina recommendations? If not, I'd just like to open it up for um, questions in general about anything, about new boats, used boats, ask Beth, ask me, ask any of the owners, it doesn't matter. It's open forum now. Let me just see what other questions we came through. Um, A question came through that said, a few people have commented that it's not safe to sell out of Argentina, especially near Brazil. It's been recommended to take ownership somewhere else, such as the Caribbean, bots, what are these security concerns? Um, I think that Brazil mainland has never been, never been that safe in Brazil. I mean, we had our boat, uh, Tara, in buenos in um sorry rio rio de janeiro um gord i know that you had your boat there as well and you did have a security issue walking to your boat as i recall Fortunately, you're a retired police officer and were able to give the guy a a knockdown but um (laughs) but but as far as as far as sailing on the water um you know it's listen i've sailed in waters that are here in Southeast Asia that have pirates and everyone talks about safety, 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 and you do need to be safe. Um, I feel safer sailing in uh, through Brazil than I felt, felt sailing through you know, Southeast Philippines where they've got you know the uh, uh, Abu Sayef guys running around. Um, and it's, it's, I, I'm not discounting the safety factor. I think that you're far safer on a boat sailing than you are on land. Uh, when you transit Brazil in particular, we haven't had anybody that's had any issues um, that um, at all sailing. We've had, Gord, you've had your experience on land in Rio de Janeiro near the marina. I do re, do recall that. Um, but mm-hmm. otherwise, um, I'm not trying to downplay it. I I just don't see that being a, a big issue. Glenn, I mean, you sailed your boat up, I believe, did you not?
4: We, we... Uh... Did not we had uh, Pekin and the guys oh, bring the Pekin. boat to Fortaleza, okay. to, to Fort yeah. Brazil, and we uh, Pam and I joined the guys and sailed from Fortaleza to the Caribbean. Fortaleza
0: up, okay, uh,
4: yeah, which was uh, a lovely downwind sail. So that's another option, you know, for those folks that are uh, have a, have boat in the queue, you know, if you want to take the time and see the coast of South America along the way. Oh you know, and are and adventurous for that, by all means, do it. Mark, you and yeah. others have done it. And, you know, it's I kind of wished I yeah. had it's
3: not yeah. to miss.
0: It's there, not to miss. I, it's that, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have to, if you're not, if but, you're but not, you, don't have, to. you right. don't have to, that's right. That's right. You don't have to. So, so you have options. So, so, um, you know, uh, Chad had his boat brought up from, um, from Argentina up to Grenada, and he took delivery in Grenada. Clearly, COVID had a problem uh, for him and his boat being able to get to his boat once it was delivered. Um, so that's also an, an option, uh, Tara. You've got um, you know the option of sailing it up yourself or having somebody like the King, um, who knows the Brazilian waters. He speaks some Portuguese. Uh, helpful. I had crew on board when I did the passage along Brazil um a guy by the name of carlos in particular who was just fantastic he spoke fluent spanish and fluent portuguese was able to help me navigate through the ports but i mean safety is always a concern i think no matter where you are i you know quite frankly we had more safety issues um i felt like in the caribbean than we did in brazil and that's because people were getting their engines ripped off and i just felt less safe i that's where i bought the big chain now that's me and I, I'm not a big fan of the Caribbean, just because I, you know, it's just my, it's just me. I'm biased about it. But I think it's a beautiful place. But I did feel like in some places, like Saint Lucia, we had to really be worried about um, people stealing stuff out of our dinghy, stealing our fuel cans, and just a lot more petty theft. It wasn't violent theft. Um, we had some issues in Grenada with someone being boarded and attacked by a machete uh, when they were at anchor in Grenada, which was very unfortunate. That was a number of years ago. Um, so I think anywhere you travel, you'll have some concerns. I don't think it's any larger in Brazil than it would be, let's say, in the Caribbean, just based on on my experience. But again, I'm not an expert. Anybody else? Um, shout out to Beth and Ross from London. OK. Um, any, any other questions from anybody else on any topic? I mean, I'm having a hard time navigating navigating the chat list but i think we covered most of it listen i know we're, we're uh 20 minutes past the past the hour so i just want to say thank you everybody thank you beth for joining providing extra wisdom um glenn Gord, <laughs> elizabeth russ there's a whole list everybody that's joined thank you very much hopefully it was informative to those of you right that had questions to answer uh we really appreciate it our next topic we have two topics already that we've been requested to do for the next one I won't announce them yet. We haven't decided which one it will be, but we will get the next one scheduled, I promise, because people do seem to really like these. Um and it's a great time for me to connect with other owners and other people that I haven't had a chance to see. So thank you, everybody. We'll call it a wrap. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Mark. Have a
6: great thank night, guys.
0: everybody. Bye, Mark.
9: Fabulous.
4: Bye guys.
0: Bye, Bye Paul. Mark. See, you. see you later. Bye Bye. Bye, Beth.
9: Bye. Bye
6: Beth. Bye Beth. <laughs> Bye,
0: Stephen. Everybody, bye,
6: Elizabeth and Alan. Hey
0: guys.
7: Thank you. Thanks.
6: See yeah. you at the
7: next one. Yeah.
6: Bye.